Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and it's time to get you ready for Army-Navy week. We've got that. We're also going to recap everything we've seen over the last couple of days in college football with the NFL draft. We've got some underclassmen news. Uh, we've got some uh, big all-star game announcements. We're going to get into all that at the very top of the show with Saturday Scouting, where myself, Ben Fennel, we're going to look at the news and also we're going to give our spin on the All-American team. Everybody's dropping their All-American teams right now. Who are the best players in college football across the country? Well, Ben Fennel and I, we're going to take our own spin on it and we're actually going to put together our all-stock team. Who are the, who are the players that have helped their stock the most gear during the season and we're going to kind of draft that live we have no idea who each of us are going to pick and we're going to kind of get put together our own team for the all stock team here in college football this year that's gonna be a fun exercise there with ben after that we're gonna get the scouting report where eric galco from the shrine bowl is going to stop by break down one of the more dynamic receivers in this senior class then we've got pick six where ross tucker and i are going to do a recap of what we saw this past week we'll get a little bit of an update there on what the score is at this point in our weekly competition get you ready for bowl games And i've also got a few questions uh for ross as we uh conclude the college football regular season uh, as always make sure you go on over to our apple podcast page Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you've got a question, a mock draft, whatever it is, if you leave it over in that Apple podcast page, guaranteed it will get here on the show. We'll break down uh, whatever mock mock draft you've got. We'll answer whatever question you've got. And as always, it's the best way to throw us your support. Appreciate everybody that has done that recently over on our Apple podcast page. That said, let's get this show rolling. Excited here to start things off with Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, let's get into this with draft buzzes. I welcome in Ben Fennel. Ben, we've got a ton to hit on, and we're going to start. Uh, I guess we'll start with the underclassmen news because uh, on Monday evening, uh, big news from the NFL draft side of things where uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon pass rusher, officially declares for the NFL draft. A report originated with Adam Schefter. Uh, Thibodeau came out eventually uh, later on that evening and put out a statement uh, so that he is leaving Oregon. His career is over. He will not participate uh, in the team's bowl game. And uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, likely top two top three maybe potentially number one selection here in this draft uh throwing his hat into the ring yeah good choice will be a top 10 pick um i think he provides a little bit more scheme versatility and athleticism than an aiden hutchinson i think uh, thibodeau can play in a 4-3 stand-up position hutchinson i think is a through and through 4-3 defensive end a little bit more of a power player but cave on thibodeau more than appropriate top five pick See you on Sundays. Uh, and not the only one uh, to declare for the draft on Monday as Purdue pass rusher George Karlaftis and wide receiver David Bell, uh, both Boilermakers, also entering this draft. Uh, thoughts there on Karlaftis and David Bell? Yeah, it seems like Karlaftis has emerged into that next tier after Thibodeau and Agent Hutchinson should be in that 5 to 15 range of the draft by all intents and purposes. And David Bell, do not sleep on this kid. This guy is an extremely productive player in his three years at Purdue, is a high recruit. Mr. Football and Gatorade Player of the Year at Indiana. High, high-level player. Whew, this guy makes incredible catches, adjustments, body control. 232 career catches. That was with Rondale Moore uh, as a teammate for a couple of years. Size, speed, he does a lot of things. David Bell, don't forget that name. He catches everything. That's the thing no that's always no talking about David Bell. 142 yeah. first down receptions. He's yep. maybe not a big play guy, maybe yep. not a yak threat. He's going to catch everything. 
and move a lot of chains on third down. Yeah, pure possession guy uh, moving to the NFL. Uh, let's now get into some all-star game announcements. Uh, our announcements, rather, earlier this week, uh, myself, uh, you, Dane, we talked through a bunch of the Georgia Bulldogs uh, throwing their hats in for the Senior Bowl. One more came out right after we did the recording, and that was uh, defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt, a guy that I know you've been in on for a couple of years now, so I'll let you kind of take the floor here on Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, I'm glad he stayed for a senior campaign, as a lot of players have. He's been kind of caught in this deep Georgia front seven where he hasn't always emerged and you know shown up with production, but he has more three-down pass rush ability than a Jordan Davis, who's an absolute monster at nose tackle. Devontae Wyatt is incredibly quick-footed, he has that vertical ability to get upfield and rush quarterbacks. He is nimble. He can play up and down the line. Done a lot of creative things like mug the A-gap standing up or even drop out in QB spot. He has some really unique athleticism. I think his best stuff looks like a Jarrell Casey. That's obviously very high praise, wow. but yep. I really believe he's on that type of trajectory, and he could be one of the best pros on this Georgia front seven. Yeah, he's been a key cog for that group uh, really over the last couple of years. So uh, let's now get to the Shrine Bowl where we have a bunch of names to go through once again. And we'll start things off at quarterback where uh, an Ivy League guy heading out to Las Vegas, E.J. Perry from Brown. Uh, I know he was a big-time recruit that transferred to the Ivy League, Ben. Uh, what do you know here on E.J. Perry? Yeah, interesting kid. He came over from Boston College, was a big recruit, 6'2", 210, did not play football in 2020 as the Ivy League uh, sat out for covid but led the country in offense in 2019, this Brown offense will throw the ball around the yard. So I think he's got a good arm. To be honest with you, I haven't seen a whole lot of his film, but I'm excited to see him uh, at the Shrine Bowl and competing against some FBS players. All right, so from one transfer to another, let's go to Nebraska wide receiver Samari Torre, uh, who he actually transferred up. He began his career at Montana, was a really productive player for three years. He had 87 catches, nearly 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns back in 2019, did not play in 2020 due to COVID, graduated, transferred up to Nebraska, had a productive year this year, just, just south of 900 yards, five touchdowns, 6'3", 190, and he has been a big play threat throughout his career. So Torre, a uh, good opportunity for him. He finished the season with an injury, I believe, but uh, hopeful hopeful that he will be able to play uh, out of the Shrine Bowl. Let's go to another receiver here, Josh Johnson from Tulsa. Uh, ben, he makes it official after being one of the first early invites uh, that kind of was uh, hitting the hitting the uh, the wire here uh, for the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, I feel like that was about a month ago that he yep. was one of the first invited, but Tulsa receiver, another transfer, came over from Iowa State, 5'11", 171, kind of a small package guy, not a whole lot of yak ability in that small frame, but he's a deep play guy and has really cleaned up the drops. He had one year at Iowa State, then went over to Tulsa where his dad had played, and he's a really productive player. Uh, I'm going to go for another receiver here, Baylor's Tyquan Thornton. We talked about him a little bit last week on the show with Ross. 6'3", 182 pounds, so a little bit slight. And when I when he was there early in his career, he actually stood out to me while watching Denzel Mims. And when I asked some of the, uh, the, the coaching staff uh, down there about him, uh, they said, yeah, he kind of reminds us a little bit of Robbie Anderson, who they had at Temple. Now, I don't know that he's quite that juicy or quite that loose as Robbie Anderson, but watching him, I mean, he gets after a little bit as a blocker. He's pretty reliable. He kind of checks a lot of boxes. Ben, I think he could kind of play a role of like what Stanley Morgan has been uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals and do a little bit of the dirty work. He'll chip in as a blocker, but he also can be uh, a big play three-level threat as well. So Tyquan Thornton, a name to watch here for Baylor. Uh, I'll let you round out the receiver group here with Jareth Stearns from Western Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Well, let's keep the transfers going here. Western Kentucky's been getting some buzz this year with their really strong season and Bailey Zappi coming over from Houston Baptist. Well, Jared Stearns came over with him from Houston Baptist. He was a guy that was incredibly productive on the other end of Bailey Zappi. 
220 catches at HBU, comes over to Western Kentucky this year, Fran, 135 receptions this year, 1,700 yards, 14 touchdowns, averaging nearly eight yards after catch per reception. Mm. So he's a guy that catches that ball, gets upfield. He's really crafty. He's quick. And, yes, Jarrett Stearns, brothers all over the place. Caden Stearns was at Texas last year, now in the NFL. Remember Jordan Stearns, Oklahoma State, cup of coffee with the Chiefs, I believe. A couple other brothers. I think he has a brother that's a teammate, another brother that's at West Texas A&M. His dad played hoops at Baylor, really athletic family, really fun player. He's only about 5'9 or so, but he catches everything and is a great possession, kind of yards after catch threat. Uh, well, let's stay with someone who's kind of cut from the same cloth with Nick Muse, the tight end from South Carolina. Now, his older brother, Tanner Muse, was a third-round pick by the Las Vegas Raiders out of Clemson. Uh, Muse is a South Carolina kid. Uh, Tanner Muse, he went to Clemson. Well, Nick Muse, he began his career at William & Mary, transferred up to South Carolina, and he has been mostly a blocker throughout his career, but whenever he's been used as a pass catcher, he's been pretty productive. When you look at uh, some of the metrics like yards per route run and yards after catch for reception, the numbers are pretty good. And so I think when this is a guy that's got some untapped potential. Uh, I'm excited to see what he looks like in person and what is a really deep senior tight end class. Uh, Nick Muse from South Carolina heading to the Shrine Bowl. That's how it gets the offensive lineman, Ben. Uh, a bunch of really interesting names here. We'll start things off with Washington's Jackson Kirkland, uh, who has been their left tackle the last couple of years. Previously played at guard, so he's got some position versatility. Kind of a kind of a look. He's kind of one of these big slugs uh, along the offensive line, right? He's going to kind of uh, really kind of cater towards more of these run-focused teams, but uh, that position versatility will really, really help him, but he's not the only Washington Washington Husky offensive lineman heading out to Las Vegas because Luke Wattenberg will also be joining. Yeah, I really like Kirkland. I don't think that matchup against Aiden Hutchinson did him any favors no. against a top flight uh, edge rusher. But uh, Luke Wattenberg, all you need to know, fifth year player, four and a half year starter, and one of those traditional left tackle to left guard to center type mm -hmm. of guys. He's one of those guys that started out on the edge, worked his way all the way into center. Over 3,300 snaps played on the offensive line. Fifth-year player, four-and-a-half-year starter. Experience, mm. experience, experience. That's exactly the case with Hayden Howerton, too, uh, an interior player uh, from SMU. Uh, has played both center and left guard. This kid coming into the season played just south of 3,200 3, snaps. He started 41 games before this year. So one of these super seniors who just has such a lengthy resume. Uh, so Hayden Howerton, uh, another guy with a ton of reps under his belt heading out uh, to Las Vegas. And he is not the only Mustang going out. We already talked about a pair of Huskies. Let's talk about a, a pair of Broncos here. Jalen Thomas from SMU also heading out to the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, this is a guy without the versatility. He's a through-and-through -through tackle. He's been getting bigger and stronger each year. He did play a little right tackle early on, but he's been holding down that left tackle spot for SMU for a number of years. They have a really good rushing attack, by the way, for a number of years. They keep cycling in new running backs out there. Um, but he's a really interesting player. He actually rushed in a two-point conversion a few years ago. Mm. Kind of an interesting profile, has some really interesting athleticism, but the weight keeps going up, and I don't see any loss in athleticism or foot quickness. Fran, you love that. Hack on the muscle, don't lose the foot speed, checking a lot of boxes. Let's go a little bit of a blast from the past here. Devin Cochran mm -hmm. from Georgia Tech, and our longtime listeners may remember 
Ben Fennel, when he was on the road with his college, uh, with his college crews for ESPN, uh, he would bring back some young guys to watch down the road. And there was this Vanderbilt right tackle that Ben said, Hey, keep an eye on Devin Cochran, six, seven, 314 pounds. A couple years later, he ends up transferring to Georgia tech moves over to the left side and Cochran's got some traits. And even talking with some people down there, uh, there's definitely something to work with there. He's a little bit older. He's a sixth year senior. Uh, but I think that there are some traits there to be able to develop in the all-star game process will be big for him, Ben. Yeah, and really quick, I had to go back like two draft databases to find my notes <laughs> on him. But one of the things I had written here, summer 2018, our good buddy, Tony Pauline, gave him a fourth, fifth round grade. Nice combination of size, mobility, athleticism, can slide in space, easily gets off the edge and pass pro and blocks with terrific fundamentals. Great upside, could be an early selection if he continues to improve his game. Summer 2018, Tony Pauline. So this is the yeah. guy that's certainly Devin Cochran that's been around uh, college football for quite a bit. No doubt. Uh, well, let's keep this going here with Dawson Deaton from Texas Tech. Yeah, he's a really fun player. Again, left tackle to left guard to center. And he's been holding down the center spot at kind of an unconventional size in that he's one of these 6'6", 305 centers. A lot like our buddy Landon Dickerson who's kind of that oversized interior player. But I saw him down at O-line Masterminds. He broke off with the center group. He towered over those centers, which we know they can occasionally come in at 6'1", 6'2", little on the shorter profile. He's sitting there talking with Ryan Jensen of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl winner. Towers over him. He is a massive player, really good-looking kid. One sack allowed in three years for Texas Tech. So maybe not that rushing attack that we had expect, you know, down at Texas Tech, but a really good pass blocker. I'm going to stay in the Big 12 here with the next one. Xavier Newman Johnson from Baylor, 6'2", 315 pounds, so a little bit on the shorter, squattier side. Doesn't have as much experience as some of these other guys when you talk about uh, just in terms of game reps, but uh, he's played center. He's played both guard spots, and that versatility is going to serve him well. He actually went back for an extra year uh, last year, and I think it was a good move. He had, he had a little bit of a trouble last year. Uh, I think it was his first like real year as a full-time starter and gave up four sacks. He gave up a bunch of hurries, so I, I think that was he was really well served coming back for that extra year, uh, and now he's heading down to uh, they're heading out to Las Vegas uh, for the Shrine Bowl. Who's so hiring Dave there. Aranda, friend? What a season that guy put up there out, yeah. out there at Baylor. Man, there's prospects on both sides of the ball. Defensive linebackers, Jalen Petrie, Xavier uh, Newman Johnson playing great ball at guard yep. right next to Jacob Gall, who's a transfer from Buffalo. Those two running backs we've been talking about, a lot of good players of that Baylor program. Yeah, no doubt. And obviously a lot of that, uh, you know, you go back to Matt Rule and that staff and the yeah. way that they recruited, uh, you know, they focused heavily on athletes and development. And uh, when you look at what Dave Aranda and that staff has done, they've continued to develop and they're going to continue to recruit. Crazy, crazy the rebound from the whole Bryles era yeah. and that kind of, uh, you know, situation, which was as dark as it was in college football. So yeah. great yeah. to see them come out the other side. No doubt. So let's go over to the defensive side. Linebacker Troy Anderson from Montana State. I actually talked about him earlier this week, so I thought uh, I'll let Ben cover Troy Anderson here. Uh, yeah, you did a good job, Fran. Really interesting, maybe the most interesting prospect in this class right up there with uh, maybe our buddy Calvin Turner at Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So this is a linebacker at Montana State, but he's a former quarterback. In fact, an all-conference quarterback just a few years earlier at Montana State where he played both ways. Quarterback to linebacker, not as rare as you think. Chaz Surratt last year, Zayvon Collins played a little quarterback in high school. Joel Lanning, if you remember him with Iowa State, Colin Klein was another one. Quarterback to linebacker, it sounds weird, but they're the captains and the quarterbacks of the defense. So he's a smart player, athletic player, really fun uh, prospect to study. 
I'm going to take us into the secondary here with cornerback Nick Grant from Virginia. He actually uh, was a high school corner and wide receiver, shows up at UVA, and they move him to safety right away. He, he started his career at safety, then moved back out to corner. Uh, the production hasn't always been there, but this kid's 6'3", 190. I think there are traits there to work with. He's played some special teams over his career. He's been a solid contributor uh, in that phase of the game. So uh, definitely a guy that will be looking more from that sense of, of trying to stick to an NFL roster early on. Let's go back to Texas Tech. You talked about Dawson Beaton earlier. Uh, take us through to Marcus Fields, a corner from uh, t- from Texas Tech. Yeah, former teammate of our current Philadelphia Eagles, Zach McPherson, who was kind yep. of a late riser in the process. This is a kid with really good size at six foot, 200, five-year starter, not a four-year, five-year starter, 3,100 snaps played, four picks, 30 PBUs, a lot of tackles, over 200 tackles. And then you see that all show up in the special teams over 600 special team snaps in his career, has slid inside in that nickel and some sub packages, will do some blitzing, but at six foot, 200, defensive back, special teams, toughness, experience, those are the guys you fill out your roster with. Demarcus Fields can definitely see him being a day three pick all day long. I'll see your five-year starter, and I'll raise you one because I'm going to go cha- Chase Lucas here from Arizona State. Six foot, 185 pounds, played a ton of football out there for Herm Edwards, and we know you know Marvin Lewis has been the defensive coordinator. They have a bunch of former pro coaches, pro players on that staff, and so you look at the development here. Chase Lucas, he shows up day one, 2017, starts every single game for Arizona State, makes second team all Pac-12 as a true freshman. So uh, he, he immediately cemented himself as a guy to keep an eye on here for the NFL. It's going to be a 25-year-old rookie because he went back for that fifth year. Um, but I think when you look at Lucas, there are definitely traits to work with at a six-foot, 185-pound package. He's played inside, outside. He's played special teams. Good player. Yeah, and just to finish us off here, safety Bubba Bolden, Miami Hurricanes. This is another guy. Tons of traits. And for all intents and purposes, I think his tape sucks. But he has a lot of traits. He's tall. He's long. He's athletic. He's fluid. He's tough. He gets a little chippy out there was a USC transfer, Bishop Gorman kid. I feel like we've heard his name for five, six, seven, eight years now, going back to high school. Can he be that tight end eraser at the next level? That's what the NFL thinks in this kid. Inconsistent tackler, inconsistent tape, but his flashes are really intriguing. Who's the kid from Syracuse last year? Cisco. Uh, I think there's some similarities there from uh, Andre Cisco to Bubba Bolden. I think Bolden is probably even a little bit better in terms of coming downhill yeah. uh, and playing as a tackler, but you're just looking for the consistency uh, to match, and that's where you don't get from Bolden. His play is just very up and down. The highs are really, really impressive. Yeah. Uh, the lows are just, you, you need like, go back to that North Carolina tape last year where everybody from Miami uh, really struggled <laughs> defensively, but Bolden really struggled. Um, so definitely I got to keep an eye on here moving forward. Uh, I teed this up at the top of the show, but we're going to do something different. Obviously only one game this week. We're going to get to that later with Ross, but I thought everybody's doing their all American teams. Let's do an all stock team. Let's do a, who has boosted their stock the most from day one to now. It's a little bit playing off of what we did for on the clock this week earlier uh, with Dane and with C-Mac Ben, but uh, you and I'll just kind of hash this out and we'll come up uh, with our team. So would me a quarterback, which of these guys do we feel has most helped their stock this year? I'll let you kind of take the floor and we'll, uh, we'll talk this through. Well, I think this one's going to be a pretty strong consensus from the two of us. And I think Kenny Pickett returning for that super senior year and really emerging from a late day three player, possibly a priority free agent, into a first round quarterback. Do I think he's a first round quarterback right now? I don't. I think he's a day two style of player, day two type of traits, day two upside. Um, But we see these quarterbacks fill out quarterback rooms, end up being backups, pushed into starting positions. And Kenny Pickett's really capitalized in his senior year. And I don't think there's really anybody in college football 
that's improved their stock more from the start of 2021 to today. Yeah, I made my argument for him in the, on the clock, and I felt like it was a winning argument, so I don't need to say anything else uh, from that regard. Well, before we move the position, I just want to throw out, you know, Carson Strong, I think, has been on that right okay. trajectory as well. Will Levis coming over as a so transfer is yep. a really intriguing. And yep. the only position here that I think we're going to talk a little bit of a negative, whose stock has plunged in the quarterback mm. conversation? Now, I DJ Ugole is not eligible, I don't believe, at Clemson. His season certainly has not gone as planned taken over for Trevor Lawrence. Some may say Sam Howell at North Carolina hasn't been on that same trajectory path like we expected. Any names in there for a quick stock down? Yeah, Clemson? easy Spencer Rattler, right? I mean, Spencer Rattler Spencer was Rattler, a, a great one. I think, to be the number one pick. Spencer, yep. Yeah, I mean, Spencer Rattler was on track to be the number one pick for, by all media accounts and uh, now is obviously not in that discussion. But there, I'll tell you what, there are some people, when you talk, when you talk to people around the league, there are some people that are still very high on Rattler uh, moving forward. So something to watch yeah. there. Uh, I think announced he will, in fact, be transferring like a lot of those Oklahoma Sooners. He yep. officially put it out there. He is on his way out and into the portal. Uh, well, you mentioned Will Levis. You mentioned uh, a couple other names there. Just two more I want to throw in there. Bailey Zappi is another guy I think you could yep. throw in. Uh, obviously, transferring up uh, to Western Kentucky. And then Tanner McKee, uh, the, the sophomore uh, for Stanford, who's like a fourth-year sophomore, so he technically is eligible. Mm -hmm. um, but what he's done, kind of putting himself on the map. Give yeah, his, I uh, feel like the first-year starters, the transfers, you know, the ones that didn't play last year, maybe opted out, those are going to be the kind of formula recipe for a lot of these. So the uh, Stanford kid who had to sit behind uh, uh, Davis Mills, Davis Mills. Thank uh, you. for Thank a year you. or two. So typically there's a situation involved with a lot of these uh, players. No doubt. So uh, from Kenny to Kenneth, I'm going to go running back. We're going to pick two running backs here. I think the easy one oh. is Kenneth Walker, Michigan State, right? No I mean, that's the easy, no like, hey, this yeah. guy's in the portal last year. He goes on to have a huge season. Uh, I'm sure he'll end up in New York for the Heisman ceremony. Uh, Kenneth Walker, great. this is an easy one. Yeah, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten, and, and I think current events-wise, Hassan Haskins. Ooh, Hassan Haskins, okay. Michigan. They pushed Zach Charbonnet out to the portal. He went over to UCLA. It was going to be Hassan Haskins' kind of job to lose. You have to remember, his career at Michigan has been strange. They moved him to linebacker at one point a few years ago, moved him back to running back, never really been the feature back in the backfield. They had Chris Evans coming and going off the field. It's always been just such a weird backfield situation. And then to start the year, I thought it was going to be his job. And all of a sudden, Blake Corum, this young kid, number two, comes in and splits carries. But as you get down the stretch of the season, what did you see in that Ohio State game? It was his team, his backfield, his ball, five touchdowns. I think he's really capitalized on this season. And a guy that I think has gone from a priority free agent to maybe a day two pick. And he's got good size. And he's got that armor and kind of uh, you know cushion to take the blow. And I think really run between the tackles. I, I don't know if I would have agreed with you three weeks ago, but when you put up five touchdowns in the rivalry game against Ohio State, you get another two touchdowns in the uh, in the Big Ten title against Iowa. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, your stock is definitely going to be felt. I wrote a couple other names. I wrote down Zach Charbonnet, ironically enough, yeah. uh, going out to UCLA. Uh, Brian Robinson, his first year as a starter, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, playing down at Alabama, uh, and Chase Brown from Illinois um, with what he's done. He was another guy for me. And then just a couple I'll throw in there: Abram Smith at Baylor. Good one. Yep. Interesting year, having to convert to really linebacker last year, now back to offense. And how about Jerome Ford with the Cincinnati Bearcats? Yeah. Alabama transfer. Remember last year, had to split carries with Jared Dokes, Dokes who was yeah. a seventh-round pick to the Dolphins, I believe. It's been Jerome Ford, Ford, Ford in that backfield. And interested to see how he performs in this playoff in a couple of weeks.
uh, wide receiver. I mean, James, James Williams, number one, that's an easy one. No question. We're talking about James Williams every single week. Who, who is the, uh, in the running to be the second one though? I think despite the last month and a half, obviously completely off the radar due to an injury, yeah. Frank London right. had a heck of a season up to that point. Yep. Uh, whether it was yards after catch, catch point stuff, showed off a little more route running ability. Drake London, USC, really impressive season. Honestly, that was the that was the one that I wrote down. I was like, it's going to be tough to beat that one. I, I wrote down yeah. to Dotson with what he did this year. Yeah. He was he was good for them last year, though. Uh, I got a couple other names, but maybe we'll come back to that for all purpose. So I'll, okay. I'll show a couple of these like names. That. Uh, tight end. Uh, this was a tough one. Only yeah. one. Only one tight end. I wrote down Trey McBride because Me he too. was like, first he, name. Yeah, he was tight end one for so many for so many people. Uh, Mel Kiper, you know, Dane Brugler, um, a bunch of people had McBride at tight end one. I, I don't know that people would have said that five months ago. Yeah, and I'm not sure Kate Otten and Jalen Weidermeyer turned into that nightmare, you know, presence we had expected their track to be on. I think really good players will be good pros, nice prospects, but I think guys like Isaiah Likely and Cole Turner have kind of left frog some of those guys, maybe not leaped, you know, a jail Weidemeyer, but I think kind of closed the gap with the tight end group. And I think a lot of those guys are clustered together right now that I don't know if anyone's going to go in the first round. There's going to be a lot in that kind of 30 to 70 range. So I really want to see who emerges after the all-star games and the combine. All right, let's go to an all-purpose pick. This is a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, just a, a flex position here uh, on offense. Is there a name in particular? Because I got one of your guys jotted down here, but I'm interested okay. if that's where you go first. Yeah, you know, I struggled with this category because I feel like some of the guys that I had liked in the past still flashed their ability, but let me down a little bit. So they kind of stayed right where I thought they'd be. But the one that took the huge leap that I talked a little bit this past Monday earlier in the week is Vellis Jones Jr. Mm. at Tennessee, who transferred over from USC Barely did anything in 2020. In fact, now I'm blanking. He might even opted out. But he shows up this year and doubles his yards per game production. Not only in receiving, rushing, and returning, doubled his yards per game. So he's a guy that really wasn't able to showcase his skill set. Remember, five-star USC, exciting, explosive player. Finally got the ball in his hands a few times and was able to show it. That I think he could squeeze into that early day three category. If he has a nice senior bowl, maybe he's a round three type of guy. He actually had 22 catches last year and six, but only six starts. Like you know, it was just right. not a, a part of that offense for Tennessee uh, a year ago. So uh, Tennessee was dealing with some things last year with the coaching and Garantano, yeah. and there was a turbulent situation to transfer into. Kind of in a weird going from USC to a turbulent program, but uh, I'm glad on, he was able on, to kind of showcase. Thoughts on uh, Wondell Robinson? I thought I, I put him in there because he transferred from Nebraska and he was, and he was yep. kind of in the background making plays there, but like, he, I mean, he was one of the most dynamic players in the country, uh, especially in the first half of the season. I think he showed off more of a true slot receiver skill set this year. Yeah. And that's why he transferred. He didn't want to just be that backup running back. Like he was for Nebraska all the time running inside zone. Now he's a slot. He's taking advantage of RPOs, slants, double moves in the second and the third level. Definitely. He probably went from that, early day three into a day two playmaking conversation. Aeneas Smith I had in there, kind of yep. a down year. James Cook flashes every now and then. But a guy that, you know, another one, just to touch on a quick down stock that I had high expectations for, okay. Zay, Flow Zay Flowers right. me down a little bit this year. He just hasn't emerged in that offense of BC. Obviously, Yurovic was in that Yeah, he was banged up too, Flowers, I think, for a little bit. Yeah, yep, he missed a couple games as well. So, uh, yeah, inter interesting category there. I struggled to find somebody. Who do you who do you like more though? Who are we putting in cement here? Are we, put, are we doing Velas Jones or are we doing Wondell Robinson? 
I, I didn't think about Wandale, but now I'm putting it together and showcasing that slot ability and more of the route running acclimate. I think he really improved his stock this year. I think that's a great, great uh, selection. All right, we'll go Ron, Wandale there for the, uh, for, yeah, the official, for the official list. We'll go with Wandale. Uh, let's okay. go now for offensive tackle. I'll let you kick things off here. Uh, who's the tackle who you think has most helped himself? Well, this is interesting because, you know, am I going with an out of nowhere guy or the guy that's been just climbing the stairs each year? Sure. And I think, you know, Bernhard Raymond that's at, at Central Michigan has just been climbing the stairs steadily. And he's on that escalator track right up to being a top flight prospect. You know, another, you know, in the uh, same type of tier is a Trevor Penning, who I think has just gotten better and better each year, just climbing those staircases. And more of the out of nowhere conversation, which hat tip Bruce Feldman, you know, in the spring kind of brought everyone's attention to him. Iki Aquanu, yeah, the left tackle, massive left tackle at NC State. We're talking about him as the top 10 player right now. Where was he, you know, last winter? Probably we're just learning about him and we we're excited and intrigued. Now he's a through and through first round pick and maybe the best run blocking player in the class. So Iki Aquanu, Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa, Bernhard Raymond. Central Michigan, you got a hat to throw in the ring? Uh, so I thought about – basically, Raymond was the first name I wrote down. And then when I looked at the other players, I kind of went your line of thinking where I was like, all right, are there guys that um, maybe we were talking about but we were unsure of? And Aquanu was one. Charles Cross was the other. And it's, you kind of look at it, like watching Charles Cross, there were some people – like I know Todd McShay had Charles Cross in the top ten uh, in that mock draft in the spring – I didn't view Charles Cross that way, and he has really, really improved uh, this year. I think he's just been so much more consistent. When you factor that consistency in with his traits, a lot of reasons to be excited. And I think you say the same things about Aquanu. And so those were the, the first three names that I had written down. Uh, I wrote down Petit Friere from Ohio State as well, just moving over to left tackle, getting more of a look at him over that way. Uh, Luke Kadecki uh, from, uh, from Central Michigan, Raymond's teammate. I wrote him down just because he didn't play last year, uh, and I didn't, know, I didn't really know him at all uh, coming into the season. Yeah, and just to recalibrate now that we're a couple positions in, we're talking about tackle. This is not just the best tackle in the class. So just for a case study, Evan Neal had as a projected first-rounder coming into the season. He's a projected first rounder right now. So yep. we're talking about guys that have improved their stock drastically from the start of the year to right now. So just to recalibrate who we're talking about and why we're talking about them, I'm locking in Bernhard Raymond as one of my tackles. Definitely you, lock sure. it, you lock in the other one. All right. I'll lock, I'm going to lock in um... – I'll lock in Aquanu because uh, I, I, th I was on the fence like with him and Cross, uh, and you, you sold them well. I'll, I'll go with Aquanu here. Let's go to the, the guard spot where I ended up – so the first name I wrote down was Zion Johnson, and the reason why – because I was, I was high on Johnson coming in, but not everyone was, and I think there was a little bit of a bad taste in people's mouths because, remember, he moved to tackle last year, and it was kind of up and down for him, especially in some high-profile games for Boston College slid back into left guard for the majority of this season and that served him really really well and I, I so to me Zion Johnson kind of getting that extra year to go back remember he was going to the senior bowl a year ago before he took that extra year of eligibility uh, from the NCAA so went back continued to cement himself as the top interior lineman in this class uh, Zion Johnson for me uh, at guard yeah you know I struggled with this category because I don't think it's a deep guard class to not, begin with and in a similar conversation I picked Thayer Munford yeah, because he was the left tackle at Ohio State for a number of years that I had as a sixth, seventh rounder, you know, probably not going to squeeze into the top 10 tackles last year. Deep tackle group slides into guard this year. Now is he a fringe top 10 guard in this class? He played really well for Ohio State, I thought. 
Um, and I think that's a more natural position for him. And I think it kind of alleviated some of his issues out on the edge. So I think he just kind of emerged himself into a more bona fide guard prospect now that he's flying inside. I like that. And that's, I actually wrote his name down for that exact reason. I think that kind of, you, there's not the projection involved now. It's like, we've, we've seen him play at guard. Uh, we know some of those same issues are going to pop up at times, um, but we, at least we've seen it. And it's not like we have to rely just on the all-star game process to see what he would look like on the interior. Who, who was the first name you wrote down for center? Cause I struggled to come up with the first name there. You know, I wrote John Michael Schmidt. That's exactly what I wrote. the first name I wrote down. <laughs> because I think that season opener against Ohio State immediately kind of put him on some radars against the top flight front seven. And he he didn't just look good. I thought he kind of dominated some really good trench players there for Ohio State with some pancake blocks and finishes. You know, draft Twitter started to perk up to him. And now he's been tracking them all year. But I also had no problem putting Tyler Linderbaum here. Mm. Because I mean, a guy that we thought was going to yeah. be a good player yep. has still been a good player into a great player. And the fact that we're talking about a center comfortably going in the top 10, like people aren't even blinking at it. People aren't even thinking centers don't go in the top 10. No, he's a yep. really good player. We're going to take him there. It's not a normal thing for a center to go into the top yeah. 10. He's as solid and consistent an evaluation as I've seen from draft analysts, which we know are all over the place with guys. But Linderbaum has really streamlined and kind of settled his his stock. Um, so while he might have been a 20 to 40 guy in the draft, he's yep. a top 10 guy right now. I think it's a, it's a good argument. Um, I wrote down John Michael Smith as well. for the for my, uh, He was the first name I wrote down. And I just feel like he, since he was so unknown coming into the year, you're right. I mean, especially it started early on. You, when you get Brandon Thorne on your side, uh, the rest of Twitter no just kind of catches up. <laughs> and I feel like to me, uh, I, I think that that's, uh, that's why I ended up going with him. Um, I think that, I think that would probably have to be the guy. Uh, it was a good argument though for Linderbaum. Uh, let's go Muhammad to the defense. Ibrahim returning to school just while we finish out the gopher conversation right. here. Wild. I, mean, he'll be I, didn't, I didn't think he should have returned in 2021. I hope he's stealing degrees from there. He's working yeah, on his I'm master's sure on... or his PhD or his yeah. doctorate or something. Yeah. Stay in school. Be. Keep getting those degrees. All right. Well, let's go to uh, the defensive line. We'll start with edge rushers. We're going right. to two guys here. Uh, won the first one and he won earlier this week with, from, from Dane. Does he get it on? Does he get onto our team here? Well, Dane threw everybody off with his dollars and cents. He went all, uh, Jim Cramer on us with, you know, <laughs> the, the, the money he's made from the late first round, early first round. He talked agent fees and marketing campaigns. It got wild with Dane, but I got this locked up because this is easy. Right. two edge rushers that have gone from kind of obscurity into top 50 players. David Ojabu, who is the poster child for this whole conversation of very raw developmental player late to football, has been getting better and better, has tons of tools and traits, a very similar track to a uh, Jason Owe, who also was a Blair Academy guy and has uh, worked his way into the NFL. And I'm just going to leapfrog you here, Fran, because I think I got this locked in. Jermaine Johnson, Johnson, right? Jermaine Johnson, no question, who went from Juco to the uh, Georgia Bulldogs two years ago. Didn't really get on the field last year. Had to transfer again, went out to Florida State and was able to show off that 6'5", 260-pound length and explosiveness and pass rushing ability. Those two guys, Ojabo, Jermaine Johnson, I felt very comfortable about those two. I think when you look at the fact that those guys are so far ahead, we wouldn't even like say like, oh yeah, like Arnold Abiketti, like uh, with what he did this year for Penn State. And, uh, you know, there, there are That's other guys we could have pointed to. 
but I, I, I agree. I think those those two guys kind of Isaiah Foskey at Notre Dame has finally been a full time player now that a lot of those guys moved on to the NFL, like Dalen Hayes and Awusa Koromoa. Jesse, Jesse Lucetta wrote Pat Penn State. You know what he's done on Jesse Lucetta, that's a great one. Yep. Yeah. I didn't think about Epiketti. That's a really good one. He's really emerged into a, a bona fide, I think, top 50 player, in my opinion. Cam Thomas at San Diego State. Boy, he no. might just be so steady and straight line his whole career. We're just now learning about him as he's an eligible player. All right, so I really struggled at D-tackle to come up with some names. And um, Jordan Davis is a guy that's been on on the radar for so long. But he was, I mean, he was in like the Heisman talk up until a week ago, right? I mean, yeah. like that's like insane. And I, I don't know that that's justified. Like, I don't know that I could say that I would have like, uh, you know, sent him to New York. But like that was the buzz on Jordan Davis. How about Jalen Redmond, Oklahoma? Didn't play last year. We, he showed flashes early in his career, but didn't play a year ago. He, he opted out due to COVID. He comes back, and I told you, I've watched that Oklahoma defense uh, the last couple, of, not this past week in championship because they didn't make it, but uh, the two pre, two weeks prior, and this guy was just so disruptive, so active, pass game, run game. Uh, I went to, I wrote down Jalen Redmond as my first name just because I couldn't bring myself uh, to say Jordan Davis. Yeah, that's not a bad one. I struggled with this category, too, and I'm going to cheat a little bit with some hybrid oh, players. Oh, yeah, hybrid guys. We got Josh Pascal. But it was crazy. We got, yeah, we got to this point without mentioning any Georgia Bulldogs. I put Trayvon Walker. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, that, that's, actually, that's a great one. Yeah, that's a good but, one. But, you know, he's a little D-end. He obviously plays a lot inside. He's 6'5", 280. He's a trench player. He's a yeah. three-tech for all intents and purposes, maybe five-tech and an odd front. That's a good uh, he's one. He's a guy that – Played under 400 snaps coming into the year, and now he's been in, you know, nearly 500 snaps this year alone. Has really shown what he can do. Josh Paschal at Kentucky was a guy I never heard of up into this year. So based out of anonymity, I picked him. Zachary Carter, just yep. a hat tip for going back for his senior year, and I think really showing how strong and a reliable player he is. Maybe not flashy, maybe not explosive, but you show up and you buckle your chin strap against Alabama like you did the past two years. The NFL takes note of that. He's a guy that can play edge, three tech, one tech, and some sub stuff. Zachary Carter at Florida, I thought, really kind of solidified himself as being just a solid NFL prospect. I I think I so the Walker one was a great that was a miss miss by me uh, I think that's a good one I think could, we can we can honestly say like let's put him into the defensive tackle for the sake of this argument yeah. uh, I think I like Redmond more than Pascal because I had Pascal on my list yeah, I, like uh, I had his teammate Marquand McQuall, uh on the list yep. as well uh, he you know because he's kind of helped himself this year when he's been healthy but uh, I feel Jalen Redmond uh, I feel pretty good about that one uh, yeah. linebacker we got three names. Nicobe Dean's got to be number one, Butkus Award yep. winner. Uh, he led the team in tackles a year ago, but was not on this scope in terms of uh, being this level of prospect. So I think you got to go Nicobe Dean to start things off. Interesting to see where you go after that, though. We got two more spots. I wrote down four or five names. How did you fill out uh, this role? So I went Devin Lloyd uh, okay. because I feel like he really improved his stock this year. I think we're talking about a top end of the first round type of player, probably linebacker one first off the board this year. I think we liked him in that 50 to 100 range coming into the season as a really reliable, experienced player. I played some Sam, some off ball, but has just gotten better and better each week and has really shown off the playmaking, the pass coverage ability. Devin Lloyd's had a great season there, friend. I mean, he was the only reason I didn't write him down was that I think he got hurt last year by the four-game – because he only played four games last year, right? Pac-12 had a right. shortened season or five games, whatever it was. Yep. But he was first-team all-conference last year, and he was the oh, Butkus – he was a finalist for the Butkus Award last year. 
Yeah, like he was like I think it's just because he didn't play often. Like, but he was a finalist for the Butkus Award a year ago. So like Devin Lloyd, I feel like was on. That's why I didn't write him down because I was like, oh, there's there are other names. I was like, I, that, that's why I didn't put him down. But he definitely. No one was talking about him, really, especially top half of round one. You might have seen him in the back end of some first-round mock drafts, but uh, no one was talking about the top 15, top 20. All right, so let's go with another guy here. All right, all right. <laughs> I didn't realize the accolades he had brought into 2021, but a really impressive player, and I've been just blown away with him this year. And he, and he, led, he actually led that team in tackles in 19 when they had all those studs. Like, he was the leader oh, in tackles. Did, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of NFL players on that team. Yeah, too. it was all they were loaded with NFL talent. All right, I'm going to go with a one-year transfer. Who? Okay. Let me tell you, just wearing the, the crimson Alabama colors just looks oh, a little better a on film yeah. than the Tennessee colors. And that's Henry yeah. Toyo Toyo gets to play with a more disciplined front seven next to Christian Harris. I don't know where we viewed his stock at Tennessee. He was like one of the number one players in, in high school. I think number one linebacker coming out, five-star, athletic as as anybody in the country, yep. it's just really kind of streamlined himself with this Alabama team. And the projections are a little bit easier. He's athletic. He's tough. He can stack and shed. Uh, he has a lot of range. He has some really interesting athleticism to him for some special teams or maybe some gadget stuff. I think I've thrown him a pass on fake punts and stuff before at Tennessee, but Henry Toyo Toyo, uh, I throw him in there. All right. So I've got, Four names for our final spot because I think Toyo Toyo belongs, belongs in this list. So okay, I, I got, got four names got? for our final spot. Two of them are from the SEC, and I hate to go SEC, 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 but okay. uh, Damone Clark from, from LSU, uh, yeah. two time freak lister, really didn't put it all together till this year, and he was productive this year, made plays uh, up and down the field for LSU. Channing Tyndall, zero starts, but really impactful, and is yeah, uh, kind of boosted his stock a lot. Now, do we put two Georgia linebackers on the list? I don't know, but Channing Tyndall. Uh, Chanel from Wisconsin uh, was a relative unknown. Leo Chanel. Wisconsin just kind of churns and burns these guys. Uh, and Chanel kind of stepped in. It was uh, one of the best players on one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. And then Troy Anderson, we talked about earlier with what he's done. You know, it's just as a small school player, converted quarterback. So running. that's the direction I went. I went with a couple low hanging fruits with Lloyd and Toyo Toyo. Then I went Chad, Troy Anderson and Chad Muma. Yeah, Muma's a couple of guys good, man. Playing, out, playing out there in no man's land. I didn't know about Muma really in the summer. I've just been watching him every week and has been blown away. But Channing Tindall, I I just kind of smacked my leg when you said that. That's the pick right there. Because right. he's a guy that was so caught and deep in that Georgia front seven for the past few years. Finally is emerging and showing what he can do. I don't know where anybody had him ranked coming into the year. Now we're talking about him as a top five linebacking type of prospect with all sorts of ability and athleticism and length and explosiveness. Channing Tindall, I really like that one. Can I just remind people, too, that I'm really high on Quay Walker, the other linebacker from Georgia. He's had <laughs> to be the best of the three of those Georgia kids. I'm just going to throw that out there one more time. Uh, let's go corner uh, here to, uh, to go to the next one. I'm, I'm interested to see where you go to start things off. I wrote down five names for two spots. Uh, interested to see who your first, who your first name was. I think we're going to be a consensus on this first one off the bat here. Right. I'm going with Auburn corner Roger McCreary okay, that's a good because one. if you just took his grade and his tape coming into the season, he's been baptized in this SEC conference. Whether it was Devonta Smith last year, Jamar Chase the year before, the Waddles and Judys and stuff, you know, the year before that, he has had a rough go in the SEC. He's been on the field a ton. But just reflecting from last year, he allowed five touchdowns, over 60% completions this year. One touchdown allowed in the SEC play. Started and played like every game, almost every snap. One touchdown allowed. 
45% completions. And I think we now look at him as a really solid senior corner uh, that has tons of press man ability, has the ball skills, but finally just got rid of those big plays and the touchdowns and getting kind of beasted at the catch point. So Roger McCreary, I think, has really kind of elevated his stock in 2021. Definitely go with him being the first guy uh, that we list. Let me throw a few names at you. Yep. Damari Mathis didn't play it down last year. He was at, he was out through the injury for Pitt. Oh, that's a good uh, one. So so he comes back uh, and has a good season there for the ACC champs. Kobe Bryant for Cincinnati, he was going to the year, goes back for another year. Now going to the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, this is a guy that I, I a lot of the, that versatile skill set is going to intrigue a lot of people. A uh, Caleb Evans transfers up from Tulsa to Mizzou. And does it does good work uh, for the for the Tigers? You're reading you're reading off my sheet here. I, I, I won't. <laughs> if this guy's on your sheet, I'm walking out. Uh, this is one of my sleepers, Zion Gilbert, the uh, the the corner from. Uh, uh, why am I blanking on the uh, on the school? Um, this is one of the kids I like. Houston. I, I loved his uh, his state. No, not no. That's the, that's Zion McCollum. Uh, Zion Gilbert's from FAU. I want to say FIU. Uh, uh, FAU. Six one one eighty. Um, this is the kid that I remember I told you, like, he reminds me of like a Legereus Sneed, kind of maybe even like a James Bradbury type. Uh, but I'll say, leave him off because I'm like on an island uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to Zion Gilbert. Well, I had McCreary, Kobe Bryant, Akilo Evans. So hilarious that we had uh, Bryant and Evans. And my fourth one to round out, a little offbeat, a little FCS. I went to Kobe Durant from Good. South Carolina State, who had those two big interceptions in his Clemson game, which he had circled yeah, all summer. That's a good, that's at, a good point. As the one, I don't know what he's done with the rest of the year. He's only 5'10", about 170 pounds. I don't know a ton about him. I just think he's had a big game on a big stage, which obviously FCS, South Carolina State, you're circling that Clemson game. That's the game you got to show up. He did. I'm pretty sure he's on his way to an all-star game. Yes. So what do we like here? Do we like Durant? I think that's a good point with the two interceptions against Clemson. Uh, Damari Mathis with what he did this this year for Pitt. Kobe Bryant. Uh, I think those would be the top. Yeah, the opt-outs. I mean, the opt-outs. You're talking about guys that last had their feet on the turf in 2019. A long time ago. So this is not just a calendar year. This is more than a calendar year where their stock and projection had to grow from the basement. So I love the guys that didn't play last year and stepped right up and, and showed that they're ballers. So Damari Mathis, I have no problem with, with picking there. All right, let's go Damari Mathis there for our second corner. I like that, okay. Safety, so we got to pick. And I I wrote down a bunch of names, but I think one that's definitely on there that's got to be one of the top two is Shaquan Brisker from Penn State. Okay. Um, I think when you look at the way that he played a year ago, look, he was going to the Senior Bowl last year, but watching him, he was definitely more prospect than player. I think he was a, he was an athletic kid, former corner, still kind of finding his way. I didn't think his play recognition skills were great last year. This year, he was all around the football. He just it was like Johnny on the spot for a number of turnovers, and it wasn't by accident. His route recognition was outstanding, playing from depth. Uh, he, he'll play make plays from quarters. He'll make plays underneath. I thought he was more consistent coming downhill this year. Uh, so for me, Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, like I felt strongly he would de- definitely need to be one of the two. I think this is going to be a, an easy one. So Brisker is a great one. The other one, you want to talk about Johnny on the spot with some turnovers? How about Verone McKinley? McKinley? I wrote him down, yep. Yeah, at Oregon. I thought just had a huge season. Remember, a lot of those kind of older guys moved on. No Javon Holland, all those other ball hawks that stole all those turnovers away. It was his season, and he really capitalized right out the gate with that big win and a bunch of impressive plays against Ohio State in week two. Verone McKinley, huge 2019, had four interceptions as a redshirt freshman, I believe. 
2020 Pac-12, barely played four games, never got his footing in, was also stuck behind some of those vets like Holland. 2021, six interceptions this year. Really impressive year, and I think he kind of uh, emerged himself to be, I don't know about the top safety, but I don't know where the safety group is, you know, collectively. It's all over the place. I don't know who's the top outside of Kyle Hamilton. I think, you know, you got a lot of guys in there, and I think Verone McKinley's of the world and uh, Jaquan Briskers, I think, are certainly in the conversation of being top 10 safeties in this class. I wrote down McKinley, so I'm not going to push you there. I, I, yeah. like, uh, I like that I one. I wrote Brian Cook at Cincinnati, but I liked him last year too. Jalen Petrie at Baylor, I liked him last year. You know, the Duncan. Dalton from Iowa. Uh, yeah, like- the Kendrick Duncan, Contario Cole combo that transferred into Louisville. Louisville hasn't had the best season defensively, but they in vacuums have had good years. But uh, I think Verone McKinley and Jaquan Brisker are, are pretty uh, good picks there. The other name of time, Marquise Bell from uh, from Florida A&M. Yeah, that's a great one. Another guy did not play a year ago, so uh, you know, interesting player. Um, Brisker and McKinley rounded out. It was fun. Yeah. Fun exercise talking about some of the guys that really helped themselves uh, here in 2021. Well, Ben, uh, we'll continue to break all of these players down. Uh, we won't have much of a recap here Monday, so maybe you, me, you, and uh, Dane will have a kind of a special episode. Maybe we'll do a mock draft or something. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about hey, that. Our, our conversation breaking down the Army-Navy game this weekend. All right, prospects on both sides of the ball. They're going to be running the ball a ton on both sides. We'll break it all got, down man. next week on Journey. Who you got? Army and Navy. Completely random and for no reason, I'll go Army. Yeah, I'm making my pick in the next segment, so that's why I'm asking. Uh, we'll be <laughs> with you uh, next week right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warm-ups brought to you live each week when you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta. We provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. We'll join once again here on scouting report by uh, Eric Alco, my buddy from the East West Shrine Bowl. And uh, Eric, we're getting closer and closer and closer to the event in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I know you're crammed for time. Really appreciate you joining us once again here. Uh, and today we're going to talk about Charleston Rambo, a uh, wide receiver from the University of Miami, originally at Oklahoma, making plays out there, I believe with Kyler Murray uh, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, so interested to kind of get your thoughts on Charleston Rambo and when he first kind of popped on the radar for you guys uh, at Optimum Scouting. Yeah, he, he popped the radar with uh, current Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts at quarterback. And Rambo was, I think, the number one guy, but really a dynamic, m- movable around receiver in their offense where he played XZ slot. He was used as a as a fly sweep guy and really a versatile player for that Oklahoma offense. Ended up transferring to Miami in uh, for 2021. And right away, you saw him kind of connect with De'Aaron King, their quarterback, at such a high level that you're like, okay, I see what I saw in 2019 right away in 2021. And I think the connection with Derek King was great. I think eventually the middle part of the year, when unfortunately Derek got hurt, Charleston kind of struggled a little bit and then kind of pick it back up towards the end of the year, but a really dynamic player that emerged early in his career. And he had his best season ever. I think one of the best Miami receiver seasons of all time uh, this year in 2021. And we're excited to have him at the East West Shrine Bowl. Yeah, he's a guy that has produced at a couple different places. And I'm interested now to kind of get into the nitty gritty of the scouting report and, and how you see him projecting to the NFL. Yeah, he's extremely explosive as a route runner. Once he gets downfield, he's a little bit undersized, but when he gets downfield, able to work in all sorts of routes, deep posts, dig routes, 
corner fades. He's got double moves attached as well, too, and a really explosive overall athlete. I think if he can continue to improve against press coverage and short area stuff, that's when he'll open up to be a really complete outside starting receiver in the NFL. But the explosibility, the tracking ability, the ability to finish away from his frame in space and especially on the perimeter is so bad in today's NFL. I think with his top end speed, with his versatile route tree at the top of the route, especially at those mid-level and vertical routes and the ball tracking, he's going to be a quarterback's best friend in the NFL early on. I think once he kind of finalizes his get off press and working in the short area stuff, he could be a starting receiver in the NFL. Yeah. I remember early on in that year when Jalen Hurts was the starter, he took, I think it was like week one or week two, he took a slant to the house and you're like, all right, well, he's got that game breaking ability. Uh, yeah. and you, you could see the ball tracking over the shoulder. I actually compared him at that time. You know, so we're going back 2019, uh, to Darius Slayton who came into the league as a, as a day three pick and, uh, made some waves early on as a rookie with the New York giants with his ability to be that big play kind of threat. How do you view Charleston Rambo's, uh, draft stock, I guess, going into this stage of the process, where, where could he be by the time we get to April? Yeah, you added to that too. That hey, he he showed this year great physical ability as a route, as a post catch receiver to make those big plays in the short area. Right, I think if he can improve in those press coverage, really the the nuanced part of the receiver position that NFL teams want to see the press coverage stuff, the winning in the short area, the being decisive as he works downfield. He can show all those things during the All Star game process, and then also show kind of that top end speed, that big playability that he has as well. I think both of those two things could lead him to go as early as the top 100 picks. But I think right now he's going to be somewhere in that early day three and a team hoping to find maybe a starter, maybe a third receiver to start in this draft process. It's a good receiver class, but I think he is one of the more explosive dynamic guys, especially after catch in this draft class. I think somewhere in early day three is where he lands right now, but still not a room to go up if the 2019 film and the 2021 breakout season really speak to his upside. You can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric Galco. He is, again, is the Director of Football Operations and Player Personnel at the Shrine Bowl. Eric, thanks so much. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, time to wrap the show up with Pick 6 as I welcome in my friend Ross Tucker. And uh, I don't know, I I say my friend every week, but Ross, you picked up four more games on me this week. You now have an eight-point lead heading into bowl season. I picked Utah over Oregon uh, in the Pac-12 title game. That was a win for me, but uh, you hit on the over-under on Jamison Williams uh, receiving yards in the second half. Uh, You won in the Big 12 title game, and then you also hit on your upset, Alabama over Georgia. So you picked up four points. Going into bowl season, you now have an eight-point lead. We only have one game to pick this week, so we'll get into that, but uh, it's got to feel pretty good for yourself uh, having this kind of a lead going into the final stretch. Yeah, I mean, Fran, what happened to you? I thought you watched a lot of college football. I see all the clips of you on social media. I listen to your shows. I mean, this has been domination. The good news for you is there's a lot of bowl games. There's a lot of bowl games. And uh, look, last year I got the dub over you over the entire season. So uh, I got I to gotta continue to make it close, right? I got to make it a fair fight. Um, well, let's get into the, the, this game for this week. It's a team you are very familiar with, uh, having called a lot of Army games this year. Army? Navy, believe it, MetLife Stadium uh, here on Saturday. Thoughts uh, on this game? Who do you like? Yeah, I'll be there. I'm calling the game for Westwood One. Really looking forward to it. Uh, truly is an honor and a privilege every awesome. year. I like Army. Now, I will say this. I think it's going to be a competitive game. Yeah. I think it's likely a one-score game. Navy's been playing better as of late. You know, their last time out, they they took it to your alma mater, Fran. Yes, they uh, did. I was the there. Uh, they scored the most points they had in a couple of years. They played well defensively. Navy has a really hard schedule. Mm. Uh, they have the third hardest schedule in the country. 11 of their 12 opponents are going to bowl games. 
But ultimately, I think Army's more talented. Watching them, you know, there's been more guys recently from Army getting chances in the NFL. You think about Elijah Riley and Brett Toth and uh, John Radigan and Cole Christensen. I mean, Army's been putting a bunch of guys in the NFL. Those guys are difference-making players. They have a few on this year's team that will get an opportunity. Uh, Navy probably has one, I would say. And I, I just think Army's the better team. I think Army and they've and they've excelled at winning close games. Mm. So I think Army wins a close one. Uh, I was going to ask you because I, I do like Army in this one as well. Of the players that are on this team that you feel have that chance to go to the next level, who who do you feel is uh, the most noteworthy? Who who kind of stands out above the rest for in this game? Yeah, or just for Army in general? Uh, who's the the guy the prospect for Army? Do you feel has the most juice? Well, I got a couple I'm going to say in these other questions. Okay. Oh, gotcha. All right. So then we'll save that then. So I've got uh, yes. first question. Since we only have the one game to pick this week, uh, I wanted to kind of hit you up on some of the – because you've been doing games all season long. You've seen teams all over the country. So I guess we'll start things off. Best prospect you saw in person this year? Well, you have best player down in what you wrote to me. So yeah, I don't know okay. if he's the fair, best fair, fair. Best player you saw in person this year. But the best player I saw in person – was Marcus Jones, mm. a kick returner, yep. punt returner, cornerback for the Houston Cougars, leads college football in interceptions. In fact, before the UConn game in which I called, he had five picks in the previous four games. I mean, got crazy close to getting two or three more in the UConn game. Four kick returns for touchdown this year had nine in his career, got crazy close to taking a couple back to the house against UConn. I mean, he couldn't have gotten closer <laughs> to how balls as a returner or interceptions, and he's just very impressive. Now, he's undersized. He's probably 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, he's probably a nickel and returner at mm -hmm. the next level. But you lead college football and kick returns for touchdowns and interceptions, you're a pretty darn good player. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think when you look at his kick return prowess, that certainly sets a floor for him in the NFL as a, a fourth or fifth corner that's active on game day and is your uh, go-to guy in terms of being able to return kicks. But I, I like his defensive tape as well. You talked about how productive he's been on the football. I think he's got the, got a shot uh, to be a pretty darn, darn good uh, defensive back in the league. Um, let's go to the next one here. Being a, a former trench player yourself, your favorite lineman, to go offense or defense, favorite lineman uh, you saw here this year? Two guys that jump out to me, uh, Logan Hall from Houston is an absolute stud. Mm. They played him primarily inside against yep. UConn, but he could play outside as well. I mean, he was in the backfield all game. He was jacking up the UConn D-line, O-linemen, discarding them, making plays. He's a beast. Now, they tell me they think he's a late first, early second. Uh, he compares very favorably to Peyton Turner, who went in the first round last year, 6'6", 280, great oh, Yeah, yep. Still just coming into his body. He was impressive. And uh, if you're talking favorites, I love Nolan Cockrell, the nose tackle for Army. He is a stud. Uh, he's a guy that finds a way to start on a practice squad and then moves his way up and gets in the rotation. I think he's a 3-4 nose D-end. I think he's a two-gapping. He's just very, very strong, but has more, a little more juice, a little more wiggle and movement than you think.
Hmm. Six three two ninety. Uh, definitely an interesting package for a guy uh, that's strong. Uh, that's a that's an interesting player. I have not done him yet, but um, no, I'm glad that you brought him up. Six three two ninety. We'll keep an eye here on no no Nolan Cockrell uh, on the interior defensive line. Who's got the most juice that you saw in person? So uh, you can take this any way you want. You can say whether it's the fastest, most explosive, or uh, just brought a lot of energy to the field. Who's got the most juice of the players that you saw in person this year? I think Mikhail Cunningham from Louisville. I like it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Lamar Jackson. Now, yeah. I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, yep. but I called the Louisville-Clemson game for Westwood One Radio, and Cunningham is electric. I don't know if he's a quarterback at the next level. I don't know if he switches positions. I just know when he had the ball in his hands, he looked faster than any guy for Clemson. Uh, that was for sure. I was very impressed with Cunningham's speed and explosiveness. I'm curious to see if and how he works out at the next level. Yeah, uh, Cunningham, I mean, anytime you turn on Louisville, Malik Cunningham is going to stand out uh, with just how dynamic he is athletically. Just uh, one of the most sudden, uh, twitchy, explosive quarterbacks you're going to see in the entire country. Uh, next question for you. Most underrated guy that deserves more love nationally than what you feel like he's getting. Yeah, you're just not hearing enough about right now. Let me ask you, have you heard the name, Brand Andre Carter? Uh, the 49ers pass rusher from, uh, from the early 2000s? Former teammate of mine. Yeah. This is Andre Carter for the Army Black Knights. Okay. 13 and a half sacks, which I think puts him in the top five in FBS. He's listed at 6'7". He's probably a little over 6'6", 265. Wow. He's probably like 250. He's a good-looking kid. He is long. He is skilled. He has a good get-off, and he is a darn good pass rusher. He's a junior. He started at safety again in a game last year in, 20, in 2020. He's, he played wide receiver in high school. Wow. He's just like he, he was a wide receiver. He's ju- he needs to get a little stronger against the run, but he's just growing into his body. He is the best prospect that Army's had since I've been doing their games. I mean, Fran, he was like automatic in third and long. Huh. He was going to get a sack or a pressure. He's got a great um, – he does like a skip where he kind of like takes a couple steps – does almost like a hesitation, like a running back, yeah, the gets the man. offensive yep. lineman to settle his feet a little bit, and then goes. Yep. But he's got really crazy long arms. I mean, he's got a real shot. Hmm. You know who he reminds me of? Um, stylistically, Jason Taylor. You know, obviously yes. Jason Taylor is a yeah. tremendous player, but you just you think about their body types. Yeah. And obviously, you know he's tough. He goes to Army. But he's got the most physical ability of any guy since I've been doing the Army games. And they've had four or five guys go to the NFL in the last few years. No doubt. Uh, no, they've, um, they've turned guys out into the NFL. Uh, that, that's, I'm, that's really I'll be curious when you guys and others actually, like, evaluate him. I'll be very curious to see what sort of the uh, – what you guys think of him. Interesting. Uh, definitely a guy. I mean, when you come with that, that kind of comp, uh, that definitely uh, makes you raise your eyebrows there a little bit. Uh, Andre Carter from Army, someone to watch here uh, in this Army-Navy game on Saturday. 
Last question, potentially the most important, uh, most interesting answer I think you're going to give. Uh, I have heard you talk about how uh, you think back on you know how excited your parents were when the, you know you go off to Princeton to think that years later uh, you would be using that Princeton degree to grade uh, food spreads and press boxes in football stadiums around the world. So now I must know your favorite tuck spread uh, from your games doing college here this this fall. So. You've seen it, I'm sure, if you follow me on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram, and every once in a while, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I didn't really discover it until this year. Okay. But the, the, and and this kind of counts, kind of doesn't as press box food. The Lichtenberg tailgate at Army home games. It's a couple of guys that didn't even go to Army. But their dad did, and they grew up, and their dad would have the tailgate, and they're honoring him by continuing it. Fran, oh, Fran. Yeah? Whenever I arrive, they slice the medium-rare filet off, put it on a bun. I eat two <laughs> filet sandwiches. Then they have all of these brats. They've got unbelievable grilled chicken. They'll have pork loin. I mean, it is it is the quintessential breakfast of champions, and it's killing me right now because I'm about to go have like an apple or something healthy. <laughs> it is so good. The world-famous Lichtenberg tailgate at Army West Point. So, like, I told you this when uh, it was one of the first times you and I had talked when, before you were heading up to Army. And I said, that is like one of my favorite venues in all of college football. I've gone up there for a few games when I worked at Temple uh, as the road team, as the visiting team. And it's right on the Hudson. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, just feel around the stadium. And the tailgate always looks great. The downside is, is like we're obviously you know, working for the opposing team. There are times where I go out and we'll explore the tailgates. We'll do some stuff with fans, things like that. Um, but at Army, there's a different kind of deal, different level of security, different because you're yes. going into West Point. So I could never uh, go out and, and experience that uh, for at Army. But uh, very, very jealous. Let me ask you: Do you do, do you put does anything else go on that sandwich uh, outside of the fillet, or is it just the meat and the bread and the bun? You know. Um... I've tried to have the like spicy mustard okay. on the side. I can dip it in spicy mustard, but it is so juicy as it is yeah. and so tasty. It's actually better without it. Just the filet meat is that good. Oh, oh my mouth is watering. Never <laughs> ask me questions again. Like ever. Well, uh, hopefully you get to enjoy a little bit. Hopefully those guys are, uh, are out there at MetLife Stadium here uh, this weekend, Ross, and you get to enjoy. But uh, we'll be back. We'll see when we're gonna, how we're going to continue this, comp- this competition. We will through the rest of uh, bowl season keep picking all these games. Ross, uh, you've got your lead for now. We'll see if you can hold it. Sounds great, man. So great stuff this week from Ross Tucker, Eric Galco, and of course, Ben Fennel. We'll be back early next week. Myself, Ben, Dane, we've got a really special episode lined up. Excited to keep things rolling. So much news rolling in almost on, a, on an hourly basis surrounding the NFL draft. We're going to break it all down every single week right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. 
When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella DiGiovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.